Hello and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt and I'm a coach, trainer and hypnotherapist. But I'm really just a person trying to figure out life and make mine a happy one so that I can teach my kids how to make theirs happy lives too. I spent my 20s and 30s acquiring things, achieving things, starting my business, having my family, earning money, basically just doing all the things that we're told will make us happy. And when I arrived at the quote-unquote finish line, I expected that, you know, everything was in place and I was going to feel good. And I didn't. I felt less good, I think, than I had felt at any point prior to theoretically having everything. I felt more overwhelmed, more stressed, more exhausted, and also less myself, less capable, and probably less than everyone else around me. I had that story in my head about, you know, other people are managing this much better than I am. I'm clearly crap at being a mum. I clearly can't do the most basic human thing. And so, yeah, it was, it was a really difficult time. And I think a lot of us arrive there in our midlives where we've done the chasing and the running and the acquiring and the getting and the pushing, all the while thinking that something big awaits us when we've done all these things. And then when we finally arrive at the point where there's nothing really to run at anymore, possibly, you know, a bit more money or a nicer holiday, these are the kinds of things we could potentially aspire to, but ultimately we have kind of ticked the list. We've got everything that's supposed to make us happy and we're not feeling it. And at that point, we start to question, you know, is there something wrong with me? Did I go wrong in the plan somehow? Is there maybe some kind of chemical imbalance or is there something that I'm supposed to be doing differently? Why does everyone else seem so much happier than me? I used to think all of those things, but I've got to tell you, since moving into the world of more personal coaching and more kind of vulnerable sharing, I can tell you that I haven't yet met anybody who doesn't feel these things once you scratch the surface just a little bit. So I think for a lot of us, we put on our public faces. And if you think about even the kinds of things that you might say to your friends and the people who know you really well, oh, I can't complain. Yeah, everything's fine. Oh, well, you know, it's a bit this and it's a bit that, but it's, it's okay. You know, I'll get through it. And there's this kind of toxic positivity. Like we're supposed to be happy all the time. We're supposed to tell people we're happy. Otherwise they won't want to be around us. And there's a kind of expectation that everyone's okay. Because otherwise, you know, you're a bit of a downer, you're a bit of a drain, you know, you're one of those people. And most of us know one of those people and we don't want to be one of those people. So we put on the front just like everybody else. But then we also, by the same token, assume that they're not putting on a front and that they are actually as happy as they seem to be. And then for a lot of us, we try to find happiness in more pleasurable activities. So we eat the nice food, We drink the nice wine, we buy the nice clothes, we spend that little bit more money, we go on nice holidays, and we keep kind of dressing up our lives and dressing up our emotions to mask or numb or armor against the stuff that we don't want to look at, that we don't want to feel, that we don't want to see. But what my own life showed me is that that armor got in the way of my ability to experience joy and happiness for the things that I had acquired and pushed for. And that actually removing some of that armor, allowing myself to be vulnerable, allowing myself to 
not always feel okay, but actually be okay with not being okay. To be in that state and curious about it and thinking, you know, what is this trying to tell me? What is this for? What does this give me? What's the learning here? And I have to honestly repeat that lesson multiple times. As you'll have heard if you're a regular listener to this podcast, I I very often still fall on my face, as Brené Brown calls it, face down in the arena. I often end up face down in the arena and think, oh shit, how the hell did I get here again? But every single time when I return to what am I supposed to learn from this? What am I meant to take from it? How am I meant to grow as a person? That ultimately is what always gets me standing up and dusting myself off and getting on with it again. And so, as you know, I'm a massive fan of Brené Brown. I was listening to one of her podcasts last night and then another one today. And oh my God, today just blew me away. So I'm listening to the Sister series, which was um, basically six episodes that she was doing with her sisters as they went through the book, The Gifts of Imperfection. So you can kind of get together in a book club and then you follow along with the book chapters and also kind of discuss it with your book club, but then listen to the podcast as well while the sisters discuss those particular chapters. So over the course of the six episodes, they get through the whole book. So I'm on episode one, and actually I'm definitely going to put a book club together for people to go through this because, oh my God, it's so worth it. But one of the things that absolutely blew me away and got me stopping what I was doing and coming to record this podcast was that I have had this theory for a really, really long time that there is a further stage of development in adulthood that there is this, you know how when babies are born and you have them weighed and you get them checked at various stages for different abilities and different kind of developmental milestones that they're supposed to have reached. And you keep doing that all the way up until they're like five. Um, I don't know a hell of a lot about the early stages because of course my youngest was 17 months old when I first met him. But Certainly from his age, you know, there were all kinds of different milestones and motor skills and um, speaking and all of that stuff. Like we were measuring all the way. Can he do these things that he's meant to be able to do at these points? And we do that. But then there's this expectation that like you're kind of fully baked by the time you're 18. That's you done. Like there are no more developmental milestones. And I've had this theory for a really long time that in our adulthood, there is one more stage of development. And I have always called it ripping up the tracks. So one of the things we know about beliefs is that they are laid down really early on. Like the majority of the beliefs that you hold have their roots in experiences you had prior to the age of seven. But as the mother of a child who will be seven quite soon, I can honestly tell you that if he was making any of my choices right now, I would want to have another look through those choices and probably make them again. So if his life is going to be based on beliefs that he is making now and has made earlier in his life than this point, I can pretty much guarantee that some of those are not going to serve him well because he doesn't have all of the information he needs about the complexities of life yet to understand the bajillion shades that exist between black and white and the binary ways the children look at things. The other thing that's really useful to think about with regards to beliefs that are laid down really early is that children are incredibly egocentric. I don't mean egotistical, I mean egocentric. So they see and experience the world as 
being something that happens around them. They are the center of it and everything happens around them and because of them. So this is one of the ways in which so many of our limiting beliefs get laid down because if your parents split up and the only way for you to understand that is that you have to be the center of that, then somehow there's going to be some blame on you. It's going to be your fault. So if that track gets laid down because you're young enough to not understand the complexity of adult relationships, something like that could have its roots that go on to branch into all kinds of areas of your life and cause all kinds of chaos. So I've gone away from the ripping up the tracks metaphor and ended up with the roots metaphor, but it's the same thing, is if you've got all these train tracks, if you imagine your beliefs running on train tracks, those trains can only go where the tracks go. So if the tracks go in the wrong direction, so do the trains. And so I've always had this theory that in adulthood, one of the stages of development is the ripping up of the tracks, the ability to go in to your psyche and understand where and how the tracks got laid down and then rip them up. So that's the work that therapists and coaches do with those who choose to undertake it. But in the absence of doing that work, you don't complete development. And we've come to associate therapy and any kind of introspection with like, okay, this person has a problem and therefore needs to have that problem solved. And so they go for therapy to kind of heal themselves and to restore or move on from something. But I kind of questioned, well, what if it was normal? What if that final stage of development was something we came to see as the final stage of development? Like it would be odd if you didn't do it if you didn't undertake the work that would require you to pull up some of those tracks, to lay down new tracks. And then today I was listening to Brené Brown and her sisters, and she ended up saying something similar, not about the tracks, but saying that she believed there was a final stage of development or another stage of development in midlife, which could start any time from your 30s and go on until you die. And so she and her sisters are having this conversation where they talk about, you know, we call it a midlife crisis. And she's saying, I don't think it's a midlife crisis. I think it's a midlife unraveling because a crisis is something that kind of has a crunch point. It has a moment, a situation, an experience that you can point to and you can say, okay, that happened. That was a crisis. Here was the fallout. But what she's saying is actually in midlife, a lot of the things that we have come to believe and seek and do kind of unravel and we start to realize that there's stuff we have to let go of. And so I was like, oh my God, it's ripping up the tracks. She's talking about ripping up the tracks. It's exactly the same thing I thought. And oh, to be on the same wavelength as Brené Brown and come to it all by myself is quite exciting. And what's really funny to me is that I haven't, I don't think, said that on the podcast before, but hearing her say it made it have gravitas in my head. What's really fascinating to me is how little sometimes I trust the instincts I have if they're not backed up by somebody who I feel is better than me. And that's the kind of thing I mean about the kind of track that's not going to really serve me very well and probably got laid down much, much earlier on than I can even remember, that I have any conscious memories of. But if I can find that track and I can pull it up, imagine what I can accomplish. And the same for you. What are the tracks that your beliefs are running on that you start going, actually, if I didn't believe that, if I believed something else, what would happen? What would I be capable of? What could I do? And so that's the thought I want to leave you with at the end of this quite short episode is what if that dissatisfaction that you're feeling 
is an indication that there is absolutely nothing wrong with you at all, other than the fact that you have arrived at the point where you are at a developmental milestone. You've reached the point where it's time to rip up the tracks. It's time to get in, let go of some of the beliefs that are holding you back, pick up some new ones, lay down some new tracks, and then get cracking with the next phase of your life, the part where you get to experience life with all of its complexities, with all of the mess that is adulthood, but to do so in a way that is satisfying and empowering and exciting and interesting, and you get to do all of that stuff. What would that mean? So that's where I'll leave it for this week, and I hope those questions will spark something really exciting in you and in your next steps. And if you need help pulling up those tracks, you know where to find me, bighappylife.co.uk. For now, though, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.